Hi everyone, welcome to Sad Girls Club episode 48. My name is Zeri, my pronouns are she, her, hers. My name is Gwen, and my pronouns are also she, her, hers. This episode, we're going to be talking about the transgender military ban that Trump tweeted out a couple weeks ago, um, and then also the Justice Department's new taking on affirmative action in college admissions and digital blackface on Twitter. Before all that, of course, we're going to be talking about we've been listening to, reading, watching, and how the legacy of colonization has been affecting us for the past two weeks. And Gwen's uh-huh. going to start. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I have been reading my GRE math lessons. Uh, that's all I can say on that because y'all know I haven't been reading a book. Um, even though I bought three new books within the past week. Oh, like, gee. I have an addiction. But, like, not to reading, to buying it. So, I don't know. So, that's my reading. Um, But at least I've been doing something intellectually stimulating. So, I'm like, at least it's something. Um, For listening, so I finished Hunger by Roxane Gay, which is technically a book, but, like, I had to listen to it. Um, And it's really, really good. I think that this is, like, a book that every single person has to read or listen to. If, like, you can handle it, I think you should do it just because there's so many things that I think are really important that she brings up. And, yeah, I mean, a lot of it, I don't want to say that, like, it felt universal, even though I... I don't know. There are so many things that I related to, even though we're obviously, like, not in the same like body we're not in the same space like we're not doing the same things we're not the same people but like I've heard this from other people too that they just really related to some of the stuff that Roxanne talked about in the book so I'm like okay yes like this is definitely a book that I think that like everyone needs to read um it's like my 2017 top recommend and it's not just because it's the only book I've actually finished in 2017 like it is good so I recommend that And then, um, what else have I been listening to? I've been listening to just, like, my usual podcasts, like, Natch Bew. Um, that one I really, really love. It's on Feral Audio. And I've also been listening to one that's, like, it's been over for a while. I think it ended in early 2017, but it's called This Week Had Me Like. Um, and it's with, it's hosted by this chitch, Caroline Goldfarb. And it's. It's just about like celebrity culture and gossip culture, like all that kind of stuff. Um, It's like a tabloid podcast, but it's so good. Like I love Caroline. Like she's so funny. So I highly recommend listening to that if you're like into celebrities. Like the news is old, but it's still like I love listening to it. Um, And I've still been listening to Lana, of course, because that album is just everything. Um, For watching. So I just finished Ugly Betty my rewatch and I just it like literally hit me harder than watching it for the first time I feel it's just such an amazing show like I was bawling watching the last episode it's just so good it's like it's honestly revolutionary like it's so gay which I love about it like it's like one of the gayest shows I've ever seen um and I just, I don't know. I love it so much. Like, it's so iconic. Oh, my God. So, love that show. Highly recommend if any Sad Girls Club listener oh, hasn't seen it. And then I finally caught up on Scandal, literally 25 years later. But I'm so excited for 
Yeah, I mean, it's bittersweet, but like the final season is starting October 5th. And I'm not happy about Olivia being evil because now I don't want to root for her. But like, you know, I still will. So I don't know. It's like mixed emotions. Like I'm struggling with my own more. Uh, morality and also like lives and like now live in cyrus or like this with like the fingers that are like together i don't know how to cross fingers so i don't know what's gonna happen it turned out it was frankie vargas's wife but cyrus was but i just can't like this it was layered it's too much but i love this show it's my favorite and when that ends i'm gonna be just as sad as thinking about ugly betty uh okay so how the legacy of colonization has affected me this week um kind of like expanding on the ugly betty narrative i've just been thinking about like being a bad daughter and i think about this all the time that's probably like the most prominent thought that i have like within my household is just how i'm feeling as a daughter because i mean i don't know if you feel like this zuri but like in my household like i you're just like judged so much more harshly when you're a woman as opposed to like the brothers like brothers obviously can do whatever they want they can literally like hit walls like break things and like it's like oh you know like that's just how they cope with things but like if like you're a woman and you have one hair out of place it's literally like the end of the world and you're a terrible person so and it's like I saw these themes like super highlighted in ugly betty like there's this one episode um after betty's dad gets sick where like betty and hilda hilda's like betty like you're abandoning us like you weren't even there to like help my dad like you're essentially just like saying that betty was a bad person for like moving out and like working on herself and working on her career um and how there's i don't know just this dichotomy always of either choosing yourself and your career or your family and your elders and taking care of them and so that's something that I've always struggled with um especially now that like I went away to college and I was like like I'm never going back home but clearly I'm a poor millennial so I had to and now that I'm here I find it even harder to kind of move away from my family without feeling bad like whenever I bring up the fact that I want to go to grad school or like even if I for some reason end up not wanting to go or I don't get in or something like I'm like well mom I'm gonna move cities anyway like I don't want to live in Dallas like there's just nothing for me here in terms of growth and my mom is like always upset about it like I don't it's just like she makes me feel bad about wanting to leave and even though she like she also gets this kind of thing so like obviously my mom migrated um from mexico like after she got married she left and she was like in her early 30s at this point so she was older than i was at this where i am now but like she just got back from a like month and a half long trip to mexico taking care of her mom my grandmother who's um pretty ill and normally it's like we have Two of her brothers aren't married, so they just, like, one of them lives with my grandmother and the other one, like, lives by himself, but he comes over, like, every day to help her. And then the other girl in the family, who's not my mom, um, another one of my aunts, like, she she's married and she has to take care of her family, but she also every now and then comes and takes care of my grandmother. But, like, they were, like, fully, like, being rude to my mom. They are like, yeah, like, we just feel like you don't, like, pick up the slack, like you don't really take care of like our mom as much as we do like we're doing so much more and my mom's like literally like I come here I leave my entire family like I leave everything to come here for a month and a half like I'm trying to do as best as I can and like 
you guys are essentially telling me that I don't do anything or that I don't like care about like my mom the same way that you guys do. So like it's something that like burdens her, but she's still passing it on to me. So I don't know. I'm just like thinking about that, especially as I grow more just like as an adult. Where am I going to go? Like, am I going to I just feel like I'm given so much more of a tighter leash than my siblings are. And I obviously like don't want my family to think that I don't love them and care for them. But it's like I'm not I didn't sign up to be a caretaker and I feel selfish saying that. But I don't know. So that's just something that I've been thinking about. Um, let me see. I'm just like the Bachelorette finale is on right now. So I'm like watching all the tweets because I clearly cannot watch it. And it's three hours long. So I s- it's three hours. I can't tell. Yeah, it's third day. It's still on. Um, I've been listening to, so I haven't really been listening to anything new except Bodak Yellow did become a new fave. Like, of course, I've always loved Cardi B, but I just never really liked her music, even though I liked her as a person, as like a reality TV personality. But Bodak Yellow, like, it's definitely the song. Although I was like, you know, on Spotify, it has like their most popular songs. I like was yeah. listening to Bodak Yellow and then whatever came after. And I was like, this is terrible. <laughs> like, oh I can't God. listen to any other songs. <laughs> um, oh, and then on Spotify, I've been listening to like Frank Ocean has these three random singles that came out this year. Biking, Chanel and Lens. And I've just been listening to them on repeat. Like they're all so good. Um, reading, so, you know, naturally I've read four books in this week-long break. The first book that I read, like, right after we recorded was this book of poetry by Sandra Cisneros, My Wicked Wicked Ways. Um, I mean, it's a book of poetry, so, like, I read it in two days, but it was very good. I loved it. She's the best. Um, and then I read a comic called Monstrous. Um, it's by Marjorie Lou and the art is by Sana Takeda. It's like this is like a comic book that like comes out issues, but they put the first six ones like in a volume. I remember that I like read a quote from the author holidays years ago that I really really liked, and I was like searching all day at work to try to like find this quote because I knew that I like reblogged it on Tumblr like in 2014, but I couldn't find it. But then when I got home today, I found it in like 45 seconds. It's like kind of <laughs> long, so I'm not gonna read it. But it's basically about how like there's so many stories about like men and power and masculinity and power and those stories like don't really exist for women even though like clearly women go through so much in just like growing up so I was obsessed with that quote right now I was like yeah I like want to read this comic at some point um but clearly like I'm not gonna keep up with comic book I've been following her on Twitter and like I saw that they were putting it all in one thing so I just decided to read it it is like essentially like a matriarchal society in Asia, like I guess in the future, like post-apocalyptic situation, there's like witches and like magical creatures and like the main character is this girl who like, I guess the war happened and she lost her family and she's like trying to figure out what happened. It's pretty cool. I mean, it's a comic, so it's kind of hard to read. Like I feel like the pictures help, but also it's like a fantasy world. So I'm like, I just need background (laughs) before we like jump right in. Um, also, side note, the author is dating Juno Diaz, and the book is dedicated to him. <laughs> Wait, now I have, sorry, is that, like, anti-feminist that now I have to read it? 
No, I was obsessed. Like when I like I like like both of them and have been fine with them. But I just was like looking on Wikipedia to like find out what it says in the personal life section. I was like, OMG, they're dating. And then the book is dedicated to him. Like I hadn't it's read like, anything by her until I'm now. I'm literally gonna read it now. I was I'm literally an anti-feminist. <laughs> <laughs> It's like not to like be like uh like she's dating it's like this man, I but it's like be I'm more obsessed. obsessed. <laughs> um and then I'm I'm also reading Hunger. <laughs> I like, didn't want to interrupt you. But I'm reading Hunger and I'm also reading What We Lose oh. by Zinzi Clement. I have to start reading that. Like I started to read What We Lose because I know it's my book club book and then I got Hunger from the library and like it's a new book, so it only has two weeks. So it's like, I have to read this also very quickly. They're kind of like this, a similar style. The thing is, I read like 30 pages of What We Lose and then like had to start reading um, Hunger before I have to get back to the library. So I honestly don't really remember what it is about. But like, it's not a memoir. It, it like says on the cover, a novel. But it's clearly like very based on the author's real life. Like... The author is, like, mixed, um, what is she, like, South African and, and Black American, although I don't know if, like, one of her parents is white, or, like, at least the main character in the book, like, both of her parents are mixed, so it's, like, I don't know what those people call themselves, um, but it's, like, Hunger in the same way it has, like, the short chapters. I don't really know what's going on in that book, because, like I said, I started reading a new book right in the beginning, um, but yeah, I'm, like, almost done with Hunger. I have, like, 50 <gasps> pages left. <laughs> Wait, now that you're reading it, we need to discuss. It's like, obviously, like, I love Roxane Gay. I stand for Roxane Gay. Like you were saying, probably when you first started talking about it. I mean, Roxane Gay is like a fat woman. And so it's about her experience in her body. It, it's the, the subtitles, like a memoir of in parentheses, my body. So it has like things about her own life and like why she wanted to gain a lot of weight because of this like sexual bondage she experienced at a kid which she did write about in bad feminist and in difficult women if you've like ever read her before um and then it has like her high school her college things that her family and relationships and then it just has chapters that are just like general experiences of like going to the gym flying on airplanes shopping like conversations that she's had um i like like it but then also like like i read a lot of memoirs so this kind of style for me is like like it's very vague I feel like and like not really linear like she'll be talking about like her childhood and then like jump to something but then like 400 pages later like go back to it I mean like it's not like it's a good book and I think that a lot of the things that she has to say are important especially about other people's perceptions of like her fat body and how that makes her feel because Mm -hmm. I mean we've talked about body positivity like so much on this show and how everybody is beautiful is like the bare minimum that you can do and like making sure that people like feel safe in their bodies is really what body positivity should be about like when she talks about her experience at the gym like I was really thinking about how there are all those posts where they like people will shame like a fat person in the gym but then you're also like why don't they lose weight like I was thinking about that sort of thing it's like very honest I like it's it's good I'm almost done so that's that um and then I'm watching so I watched the Jessica Williams movie on Netflix, The Incredible Jessica James. It was like cute. It's like I I thought that Jessica Williams like wrote something or in it, but whatever. Besides like looking it up, but I don't think she did anything except like is the main character who has the same name as her name. Like that made me think that like she (laughs) had a bigger part in it. She's like this playwright 
who is like trying to get over a breakup and then her friend sets her up with this ex-divorcee whatever the phrase is and like he's like the love interest he's the white guy from um he's in bridesmaids and then he's also in girls he's the guy who marries jessa in the first season i think he's like irish are you kidding me he's like ugly i mean yeah that's an ugly man he's just an ugly man it's like and then jessica williams who's like so cute i was like why would this ever happen so like even though the movie was cute and fun i was like this couple it's just not realistic dot (laughs) jeff like i just had a stank face on whenever he was on the screen i just don't know why they put such an ugly man as the love and trust it's like i feel like they who wrote it i don't does it i looked it up but the person didn't even have a picture on their wikipedia page so i don't know because i feel like that's like men love putting like ugly ass men with cute girls because it just fulfills like their fantasies and it's like we get it you're ugly yeah so that's what i watch although she also like teaches kids playwriting and i love the kids as always they were so cute um oh wait and then i'm also watching this other show there's only one episode and it's called the sinner on usa my favorite tv channel you know i watch a lot of svu marathons every weekend and so i would always see the commercial for this show it's like a mini series i don't know it's only eight episodes but like basically in the commercial the main character is jessica beal she's like this like cute young mom this also has a character from girls but I don't remember his name on the show. He's like the guy who dates Marnie in the first season. Oh, the Q? Yeah, the Q. Oh, maybe I need to watch the show. show. But in the commercial, like, this girl is just on the beach with her family, and then she just gets up and stabs this guy to death. And then, like, in the ad, it, it shows her, like, being interrogated, and she's going, like, I don't know that man at all. So as I'm watching my Law & Order SVU murder mysteries and I keep seeing this commercial, I'm like, this is targeted ads. Like, that's exactly up my alley. Um, mm-hmm. Only one episode happened, so whatever. I still have seven more to go. But, like, my theory is that he assaulted her in the past and then she was, like, triggered. Because when she kills him, he's, like, making out with his girlfriend or wife on the beach. And she just gets up and stabs him. So I'm like, she was triggered by, like, his, like, holding this other girl and that's why she killed him. Yeah. But, like... We'll see what happens in seven weeks when it's revealed. I feel like I've been talking for a while. I don't have, like, a real legacy of colonization, but, like, right now I'm, like, trying to, like, go through all these doctor's appointments because my health insurance is about to, like, expire, renew, like, the calendar year that I've had it for is over in this month. And, like, health insurance is just so confusing. Like, I have it for my job, so I didn't have to, like, go through any, like, leaps and bounds to, like, get a plan. But I literally don't know what, like, any of the words mean. I'm dealing with, like, the most rude receptionist. I, like... I also have, like, anxiety by, like, calling on the phone. So I'm, like, trying to set up all my appointments online and, like, through text. And it's, like... (laughs) I literally went to college for English. Like, I went to school to learn how to read and write, and I don't know what the fuck is going on. So I'm like, how do people literally understand, like, this whole thing? I feel like you just need practice, because when my dad's trying to tell to me about deductibles, my brain shuts off. Like, my brain cells kill themselves. that's exactly what I was, like, very confused about today is deductibles. This doctor was like, oh, you haven't reached your deductible, and I'm like... I literally don't know what Yeah, that and it's is. also like, I pay. So. Like, this gets paid every goddamn month. What do you mean I also have to pay a deductible? I don't understand. Yeah, I'm very confused and upset. But that's who we are, so let's get into it. Um, 
What's the first top? Uh, Transmilitary band. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is the first thing that happened in the sequence of oh, events. True. Um, yeah, I think, I guess, yeah, our podcast comes out on Wednesday. So this probably happened the day that it came out mm-hmm. is Trump tweeted at 9 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just read out his tweets. It was like yeah. a three part tweet. He did a dot, dot, dot instead of just numbering. Them, instead like, of putting thread <laughs> in capital letters like everyone exactly. else does. <laughs> He put ellipses. So he goes, after consultation with my generals and military experts, please be advised that the United States government will not accept or allow dot, 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 transgender individuals to serve in any capacity in the U.S. military. Our military must be focused on decisive and overwhelming dot, 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 victory and cannot be burdened with the tremendous costs and disruption that transgender transgender in the military would entail. Yeah. By the way, like, I just looked up the times on these. It took him 13 minutes to tweet that. So, like, I guess I was at work, like, doing actual work when this happened. But, like, imagine getting this, like, please be advised the U.S. military will not accept or allow dot, 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 dot. And, and then, then, like, waiting seven for minutes five later. Minutes. Yeah. <laughs> 13 minutes? What? Was he typing with one finger? <laughs> I think so. He's one of those olds that types with one finger. He probably had to look up how to spell overwhelming. He like, like he just like doesn't understand. He has Alzheimer's. Like that was hilarious to me. But yeah, so I was reading more about like I I'll put this in the reading list. Um, it's just a basic overview in the hill. But it said that the Secretary of Defense was like on vacation when Trump tweeted this, and like. Coupled with the fact that it was 9 a.m., like, you know he had no consultation. Like, he just woke up and was like, I don't want trans people in the military, so yeah, let me fire had, off like, his dreams. I'm thinking this was, like, a fever dream situation. He woke up and he's like, honestly, I'm just going to say that I talked to some military experts and some generals <laughs> and, like, my stupid-ass followers will believe me. And he does so much of, like, just, like, firing off a tweet, like... At such a weird and random time, like, I saw, like, this was an old tweet, but it came back on my dash when he's, like, Obama was so bad, we'll never have a black president. And, like, it was tweeted at, like, 3.30 a.m. Yeah. Or, <laughs> like, like what? did you see his tweets recently? Like, the resurface. They're not recent, but, like, when he was talking about um, Kristen Stewart and Rob Pattinson. Yeah. I'm, like. <laughs> I did just see that. What the fuck? Yeah, this man. Yeah. I can't. I can't. Well, he consulted no one. I guess, like, that's a conclusion. And, Yeah. That entire day, I guess if it was that Wednesday, because I remember that entire day, it was just pure on the TL. Discourse, discourse, Um, pastel images. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I love that critique about people who do, like, the pastel images with the, like, sayings multiple times. It's like, what color should I use for my pastel image? There was a lot of them. So this time it's going to be millennial. Yeah. Okay. Um, let me see. So in the article that I read, it said that there's currently 250 openly trans people in the military right now. And Obama lifted the ban last year. And then of course, like they, as troops, they get coverage for medical treatment, including surgery, including hormone therapy. But yeah, like you were saying, there was a ton of talking about this all day on the timeline. Like a lot of people were really angry. And then there was definitely the like, Trans people are not a burden over a pastel image like all over Twitter, all over Insta. Mm -hmm. And obviously Trump supporters were like, 
yeah, we shouldn't spend all that money on sex changes. And then people were like, well, Trump spends literally millions of your dollars going to golf. Yeah. So <laughs> clearly, like, you're not concerned. Like you don't about care the money. where your money goes. <laughs> exactly. But um, I don't know, like, right off bat, like, I don't support the military. Oh, absolutely not. So, <laughs> like, clearly, I can't say that I want trans people to fight in the military because I don't want anyone to fight and I don't want it to exist. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's my official stance. Right. And so when I saw all this talking about it, and then of course, like reading from trans people, how they were talking about it on my timeline, it's like clearly like there's reasons why trans, there's like trans people in the military right now and there's like reasons why they want to do that and like, they should have jobs and they should also have health insurance from that but it's also important to think about like why they join the military and then like what kinds of people in general are join and are encouraged to join like trump's not going to be like encouraging his kids to go join the military and like all the rich white bankers on wall street don't tell their kids to join the military right it's like people of color poor kids yeah definitely yeah I mean I'm obviously like not a trans person in the military not even in the military considering it like I'm just like just in a mare but so I I can't speak to that experience of not of being excluded from the military because I assume that like those people obviously feel bad um rightfully so but I don't I don't I was reading this article um which I think is really good after this news came out because I was like I'm feeling like some homo nationalism discourse has to be brought up and obviously people were talking about that on the TL but like it was people who have literally never talked about trans issues in their entire lives that were like (laughs) um what the fuck like trans people are not a burden and it's like okay yeah they're not but like what are you doing besides retweeting pastel images and like only supporting trans people insofar that they're in the military and are killing other people and are furthering like the American empire like I don't understand so I was reading this book or this um, article and it's good Um, it's called no one is disposable going beyond the trans military inclusion debate it's by this chitch Gabriel Arkles. I think that's how you pronounce his last name. Um, and it was published in 2014 and in the Seattle Journal for Journal for Social Justice. And I just found this online. So I'm sure that like I feel like it's like um, like anyone can read it. So I can post it in the reading list too. But um, um, so I was reading this article and it's good because um, he goes through like the points of how obviously like we can't just focus on like should trans people be included or should they not as a form of as like the point of contention because that's obviously not what this entire debate is about it's about so much else it's about what it means to say that like we will no longer what was his trump's exact wording what did he say um our military must be focused on decisive and overwhelming victory and cannot be burdened with the tremendous medical costs and disruption that transgender in the military would entail like that obviously signifies that like yeah like trans people are decisive like what is decide divisive i don't maybe Deci- i mean decisive is just a weird word to use yeah there. like decisive victory what the fuck does that mean yeah um so, even overwhelming victory <laughs> doesn't yeah. actually make sense yeah but obviously pushing this language to where um trans people are otherized and already they're a population that are obviously under hyper surveillance and now they're going to be even further so because i don't know they are even less 
into the nationalistic framework now. Um, but I don't, I think we like obviously have to think about like the fact that there are like trans people that are killed by the military, um, that they're like, I saw like cops, like police departments tweeting, like, it's okay if the military doesn't want you, like we'll recruit you or you can join our police force. And it's like literally cops are so violent. Like, I'm sorry. Like it to me is so much like homo nationalism and like just like liberalism it's i was just disgusted by this entire like just like this symbolism of like come join our like oppressive violent forces and that being the path that is like for inclusion you know yeah that's why i when i saw so many people tweeting you know not even necessarily i don't know like what the rationale was because it's like a lot of people who don't really care about trans people and like haven't said anything like the discussion of this was so humongous and I was thinking about like the bathroom ban which I feel Mm -hmm. like last year there was talk about that and these people were not talking about it and like the discussion in that was more like yeah we shouldn't let them into our bathrooms like they're gonna assault us and so it's like clearly this obsession with nationalism like now you're an ally because you just love the military and like American imperialism so much that anyone you just want everyone to be a part of it and so it's like you don't care about gay people you don't care about trans people but this issue has suddenly made you an ally right out of nowhere meanwhile there's so many other like ways to support trans rights and trans people's access to health care and all these other things like I don't really know like anyone who's ever been in the military like no one in my family like none of my friends like that's just not really a thing in the circles that I run in but like I know that for a lot of poor people and people of color and low income that's the same thing as poor people but I guess (laughs) low income is nicer (laughs) people like they're sort of like recruited or enticed into it because like you got health care and you got um it pays for your school and like if you come from like nothing you know that's a way to be something in quotes and so like obviously for trans people like they can have access to all of that stuff if they trade in their body for american imperialism and so definitely just thinking about the ways that like the most marginalized people have to continue like literally putting themselves like on the and their bodies on the line for american ideals like that are bullshit and don't really care about them in the end and like that's the reason why they would want to be a part of it because of all these benefits not even necessarily that they love america so much even though like i'm sure that there are people who are trans and join the military because of that but it's like for a lot of people they just like want the access to these things to education Mm -hmm. to health care so just the fact that like these aren't issues that people are giving their money towards or giving their voices towards 24 7 and just when this thing about a ban comes out you're like oh no like they have to be a part of the military it's like you could really be doing this work every single day right definitely i'm just like not interested in this and like i was seeing also like someone was talking about how like (laughs) this is like the dumbest point i've ever scene but like someone brought up that the israeli military is more progressive than the american military because they've been letting trans people um serve since like however long that they've been like serving and i'm like why is that relevant in any way like i don't understand why this is like this is it for people like this is the end all be all seriously i'm like people literally like are harmed every day every hour 
by Western military forces. And this is the hill that y'all choose to die on? I don't, I mean, I can only speak so far because like, I'm not a trans person in the military, but like at the same time, like the more people are in the military, I feel like the more people, actually, I don't know if that's true. The more people die, but I don't know. I just like, I don't support the military. Like, I don't know. I just, I can't like that. It's just so stupid to me to, to see everyone like going to bat for this. Yeah. Like, obviously I don't want anyone to lose their job, but like, this isn't the, the thing I'm going to, like, fight for. Like, I don't want a military to exist. Mm-hmm. And this is, like, a side note. I didn't read this article, but I just, like, saw the caption on my TL. And it was saying that, like, the most recent deaths in Afghanistan were, like, people who were, like, 10 years old when 9-11 happened. So it's, like, at this point, like, we've been at war for so long. Like, since – I don't remember how old I was then because I, like – was that in 2001? Yeah, it was 2001. I guess I was so like, like 12. Seven. Seven. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm literally like, wait, what year is that? Was I seven? Yeah, because your birthday's in December, and that was in September. Sure, I was seven. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's like I can't do math that quickly. Um, but just like these are kids who have just like bought into this idea like yeah we're at war like they're the bad guys like I want to be a part of it and it's like you really have no reference point like you were a child when this thing happened I can't even believe that it's been going on for so many years Mm -hmm. like I'm still like it's 2000s right yeah I'm like (laughs) so that's why literally still thinking it's 2005 metamorphosis by Hillary Duff just came out like I'm a young (laughs) and it turns out I'm in almost my mid-20s, and it's 2017. (laughs) But I feel like that goes along with just the fact that these young people are just being sold this idea that, like, this is a thing that they should be a part of, fight for their country and whatever. But if you think about the fact that they were literally kids who were just in elementary school, like, when this first terrorist attack happened, I mean, that's just ridiculous that they're still fighting for that. Right. Yeah. That's... That's so true. Another thing that I wanted to bring up, though, it was by the Gabriel, um, Gabriel A, because I don't know how to say his last name. He was saying that, like, this was written in 2014, so it was before Obama lifted the ban, but he was doing a hypothetical, like, if trans people were included in the U.S. military, like, we might see transphobia being held up as an excuse for war more often. Um, Kind of like, I, I don't know, like, pinkwashing, like, that sort of thing, because we already see that with like women and like that and you know like cis women like that being a defense to kind of like attack certain populations of people um and attack certain governments of saying oh like well they're misogynistic so we have a right to do it and it's like well the u.s is misogynistic the u.s is transphobic but they will use that as an excuse because trans people are in the military like that being like a way to be able to further that agenda because at the most visible I don't know I I, I don't know how at the most visible I guess like trans people are included in the military I mean that's kind of irrelevant now but like I, I just think it's like something to think about for those that like are pushing so hard for essentially for us to like all be as violent as like white supremacy wants us to be like that this entire like assimilationist like I I just feel like it boils down to like we shouldn't be pushing for the things that are actively like harming us because like having this sort of military is harming like most of us even in the U.S. So I don't under I mean I understand but I don't think that as we were saying earlier that this is like what 
we need to be fighting for necessarily. Yeah, and then I'm also thinking about just like how unsafe the military is for women I know. What, I don't, what's that movie called? It's not The Hunting Ground, um, but it's like yeah, it's the, hunting the Hunting Ground, ground. for war. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for the military, yes. I mean. Um, I know I what you're know talking what... about. It's from the same people who do Hunting Ground. Right. I think it's the same people. I don't remember. Invisible something, maybe. Um, but yeah, like, we know that there's so much sexual assault for of women in the I military. I think it's called and, Invisible like, War. Sorry. Um, just to yeah, introduce. I feel like it was Invisible yes. something. I just Googled and it's Invisible War. It came out in 2012. Oh, yeah. I watched it in my Women in War anthropology class. Um, and you just know that, like, it's not safe to report it. Or, like, if you report it, you can't guarantee that anything will happen because like it's like such a boys club and like they're all best friends like you're telling this person and they aren't gonna rat out their friend or whatever like it's that sort of situation we know that like don't ask don't tell was just repealed and it's like you literally couldn't even be like i'm gay in the military which is like what the fuck like why would that be a thing and so like it's clearly just a system that is like sexist homophobic mm-hmm. transphobic just unsafe for these people so obviously if you want to do it like you want to do it and obviously if you like think you'll get some kind of benefit from it that you will not would not don't feel like you'll be able to get without enlisting in the military I mean that's a reality for some people but Mm -hmm. just the idea that like these young kids have to be a part of this oppressive system that is problematic in so many ways just for them to like be guaranteed health insurance or access to education like that's not something that I'm gonna like support and like rah 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 like that's completely fucked up right that's and if all the people who like were cared about this so much like gave their money to things that actually supported trans people or just gave their money right outright to trans people like Mm -hmm. that would be more effective absolutely trying to rally around the fact that trans people should be a part of the military but we'll see i mean it was a tweet so i don't know if that's like yeah i don't know like how good (laughs) tweets hold up in court or like what's gonna happen with that but one last thing i did want to bring up Mm -hmm. also by the gabriel a article um this is on page 479 i just want to read this quote um which i think the article is pages oh it's like a journal article yeah it's a journal article yeah Um, So the military is the largest employer in the United States. That this employer explicitly and unapologetically discriminates against trans people leads leads to concern not only about the direct discrimination the institution practices, but also about the message it communicates to other U.S. employers about the worthiness of trans people as employees. So that was on page 479. And I think it like, I think that's like a very important thing also that, um, I think also wasn't being talked about, at least from what I saw in the TL, which is where I got all my info from. <laughs> so, true. yeah. But yeah, we'll see what happens. I mean, tweets don't become law, even if Trump tweets them. And this is on his personal account, not like his official POTUS account. I, has he ever even used the official account? I'm not too I sure. I don't know, because he likes to tweet dumb shit like this and, like, call people out by their names. So that's not really stuff that is going on the official one. He literally was, like, talking shit about Jeff Sessions. I was like, you should fire him if you really feel that way. Like, that's so <laughs> awkward. Um. Okay. Oh, side note. It looks like Rachel chose Brian on The Bachelorette. So. It's like, why did we sad. already predict that? I'm just shocked. It's like, he didn't like you and he's 
literally fake cheeks so everything about him is fake yeah but she was just so desperate to be married i mean yikes yeah. okay i'm gonna have to watch three hours of that at some point later in the week okay <laughs> so our next topic is um I don't know. I saw a little conversation about affirmative action, which I love to talk about, but like I didn't know why people were talking about it. But apparently, the Justice Department, you know, said that it's gonna start redirecting their civil rights division towards investigating, investigating and suing universities over affirmative action admission policies. And like the first thing that I saw said that it was about like discrimination against white people but then apparently they clarified to say the department of justice clarified to say that they're actually investigating complaints from organizations alleging that universities use quota to limit the number of asian students so i don't know it's like a confusing and weird thing but of course a lot of people were Mm -hmm. talking about affirmative action in black and white terms but i was reading a lot of things just to it's like the thing is like I know affirmative action is fake because like I went to a predominantly white institution where people complained about it. Meanwhile, like you could look around and see there was no critical mass of students of color anywhere or people of color in general, unless you were looking at dining hall staff. So I was like, mm, this clearly is just in your heads. Like there's, it's like if kids of color were stealing your spots, there'd be more than four percent black kids here at this very school. But it is good to read some real facts and articles. So we have what you need to know about race conscious admissions in 2017 and the myth of reverse racism, which will obviously be in the reading list. Um, The first thing just is like a overview so like obviously colleges have many forms of affirmative action like legacy admits like donors and alumni kids of course my children will be legacy admits because i'm not starting a college fund i'll just force them to go to my alma (laughs) it'll probably cost a million dollars per student by the time i have kids um and then like student athletes are also like a way of affirmative action but race conscious admissions is the only thing that people get mad about mm-hmm. and even though like some people think it's about like writing past wrongs like it's a reparations it's really about or at least the what they say it's about it's like diversity is really important and um that's why like we have affirmative action because like we think that it's important to have a diverse student body um people who critique that are saying that like privileging students of color discriminates against more qualified white and asian students so not students of color but like black hispanic and native americans specifically but then race conscious admissions have also been banned in eight states including california and so it's said that like the most prestigious public colleges in california have had a steady drop in enrollment of students of color since it was banned in 96 mm-hmm. which i feel like that's really fucked up i don't know if it's necessarily because like i feel like a reason that could be is because like students of color just like don't want to apply there anymore not even necessarily because they don't think they'll get in because there there's no affirmative action but just like a school that would want to ban that like those are just weird vibes Mm -hmm. that i would get from them that was in 96 like the schools are probably so white um and then the other one um the myth of reverse racism says that it has like some statistics so it said that like a 2016 poll said that half of americans 57 percent of all white people and 66 percent of the white working class believe that discrimination against white people is as big as a problem as big a problem i mean as discrimination against black people 
the majority of white people oppose affirmative action despite the fact that they um white students make up the most make up almost three-fourths of like private external scholarship recipients two-thirds of institutional grants and scholarships and three-fourths of all merit-based grants and scholarships and they're more likely than black latino and asian students to get scholarships despite being only half or 62 percent of the population and half of people under 19. it also like said that race conscious admissions policies are the main reason why schools even look like roughly representative of America's racial demographics, except in schools where it's banned, like those ones are less representative. But we know that white people don't like facts. Yeah. Yeah, California is very diverse. Yeah. Back when we watched that documentary, what was it? It was like white people. I think it's called white people. Yeah, like they literally refuted stone cold facts. I will, that scene is like etched in my head. Same. I will never forget (laughs) about it. For our viewers who didn't watch the movie or listen to the app, what happened? Um, It was White People. It was this film shown on MTV. It was called White People by, what's his name? Jose Antonio Vargas. Yes. Yes. The most Latino name, even though he's Filipino. Yes. Well, they were colonized by Spain, so... I know, but like I follow him on Twitter and people are always like, go back to Mexico. And he's like, I'm Filipino. <laughs> it's like literally how the legacy of colonization has affected me today. Like y'all need to understand how literally. colonialism works. <laughs> uh, yikes. Um, what was I saying? Uh, oh, yeah. Um, it was basically a film. Was it all around like college admissions? It was, right? And just like being in colleges, because there was the one study of that white student in a historically black university. But then there was that school district. um, It was literally essentially about like race relations and education. But there was one part where they were applying to scholarships. But like from a white perspective. Yeah. um, Yeah. Trying to like reach out to whites, which as many of y'all know, never works. So it was like (laughs) a group was like applying for scholarships or thinking about like going to college and um one girl flat out the famous white proverb of like well all scholarships are for like black and latinos like i can't get anything like i'm a white person and jose antonio vargas came back with facts he was like actually like fully like a graph um white people get more scholarships than anyone else and she's like that's not true he's like no it's literally like pew research center or whoever like came up with these like it's fully true she's like it's not white people don't get scholarships so they fully are out here but then just not so what were you saying (laughs) but then her friend is also like oh wow i didn't know that that's so interesting and her friend's like yeah i guess i don't know like what the friend's like exact wording is but the friend you know she believes him and she changes her mind on how she thinks about that and the white girl literally goes wait you're just gonna change your mind on that, <laughs> and it's like, it's like that's just been like the starkest representation of like literally getting facts, yeah, statistics, pie chart, and still being like, no, that's not true. Oh my! Like I know oh. when this came out, there was so much conversation on the TLA people who like people of color who had had conversations with white people and white people who literally believe that like black kids just go to college for free yes like i didn't and even know like, that was no. a thing because i'm from i'm a liberal coastal elite so yeah no one really is like that 
Oh, yeah. Well, people in Texas, at least in my area of Texas, full are. Like, they literally, it was this, I've been hearing that, like, if you're white, you don't get scholarship money since I was literally a sophomore in high school, and I'm still hearing about it because I work at a college. I'm like, I'm sick of this. Y'all are dumbasses, and it's like, actually, like, black students graduate with more debt, so... What the fuck are you talking about? Right, I did read that. But even I just read it out. Two-thirds of institutional grants, three-fourths of merit-based, and three-fourths of private external scholarships. So, like, what the fuck are they talking about? I mean, like, that's why this conversation keeps on coming up and, like, a debate keeps on happening. Mm -hmm. It's, like, there's legitimate facts for this, and people are just acting like Mariah Carey. Like, uh, I can't read. Suddenly, suddenly. I can't read. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah, they what literally. The but like, it's like they, they're hearing it; research. they don't believe it. They're like not going to. They're like, I don't even give a shit if this is true or not. I'm not going to. And that's literally disgustingly violent. Yeah, that's what it makes just... me so annoyed about this whole conversation. It's like, first of all. You can just, like, look at majority, at least called private colleges. I don't know. I mean, I'm assuming that public and state colleges are, like, more diverse because they're less expensive. But it's, like, the fact that these people can, like, look at institutions, like, look at even, like, places of work and be, like, oh, yeah, like, people of color are taking, like, all the jobs and taking all the, like, student spaces. It's, like, these are majority Mm -hmm. white schools and institutions. So just if you don't want to understand facts, just visually, (laughs) it doesn't add up. It does not. Like, I don't get it. But they're also taught to not even see, like, race with white people. So when they're looking at a white person it's like oh it's a person and they're looking at enough color and then they're like oh they're of color that's so true i was also reading like some articles about like i don't know if this is legacy ad admissions but like for jared kushner Mm -hmm. and for donald well at least donald trump's kids like those are both people like Jerry Kushner's parents and Donald Trump like donated like literally millions of dollars <laughs> to for Jerry Kushner it's to Harvard and then for Trump it's to um UPenn mm-hmm. and like that's how their kids were able to go there right like at least for Jerry Kushner they were like he wasn't smart he didn't have the SATs he didn't have the GPA he didn't have the range but his dad donated <laughs> 2.5 million dollars to Harvard and it's like Everyone in your fucking family can go here for that. And no one right. ever complains about that kind of admissions. No. Like, what? Of course not. That's just so ugly to me. It's yeah. Crazy. It's just so bad. And, like, oh, okay, I found out. Okay, I remember. You remember. Because um, yeah, I did read um, one of them was talking about white fragility and essentially feeling attacked because, I mean, a lot of times it's just kids – like you were saying, they don't have the range. They don't have the test scores. They're Abigail Fishers who, Literal. like, against other white students couldn't compete. They couldn't do it. But, like, to them, they deserve everything and more. Yeah, I feel like I saw, like, someone talking about this on the TL. Like, one of the white kids or one of the white people that he knew was like, yeah, my girlfriend couldn't get into that school because of, like, affirmative action. He was like, so you think that, like, she did better than like the 14 black kids but not the like 279 white kids that's really interesting (laughs) it's like sorry you're just a bad student and you have to go to a not as good school it's like just because you're white doesn't mean 
you're gonna get admitted anywhere. Well, I feel like we definitely talked about Abigail Fisher like definitely last year when that was happening. Becky with the bad grades. She was just like such a mediocre student, and I'm like, honestly, like I and like I'm obviously not a stand for grades. Like I think that grades and standardized tests are like literally white supremacist constructs. But like, if you're white and you couldn't excel at something that's made for white people, I'm sorry, but like, what? It's like that's a personal problem. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, yeah. It's me. like that's not <laughs> any of our problems. Yeah, it's like they literally made this system for you. <laughs> right. And it's like, you're still failing? Like, no wonder you're upset. I can't. But this is another thing that it's like a story we're watching. (laughs) What do you mean? Just because, you know, the Justice Department just announced that they're doing this, but there hasn't necessarily been. Oh, right, right. True. Any sort of end. Yeah, I don't know. Right. And I mean, all of it, because I was also reading conflicting reports on the TL, and it wasn't a news source. But like, again, I get most of my news from the TL. Um, people talking about how, like, the caps on Asian enrollment were a myth. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like that's, like, they're trying to use, like, a model minority thing. Right. it's, that's like, we I actually too, don't like, care about Asian people. We're just going to say this so black people don't get mad. We're just going to be like, oh, it's that people of color. Yeah. Like, really? But it's just, like, it's gross, I feel. Also, it's like the Department of Justice is literally racist, so. (laughs) And even like, I don't know which one I was reading, but like Trump had just never really said anything about affirmative action, but like Jeff Sessions hates it. And so it's like, um, please don't let him have his hands in this, but we'll see. Right, we'll see. Okay, let's move on to our last top, digital blackface, specifically in reaction GIFs. One of my fave topics. So this um, topic came to us via a Teen Vogue article by Lauren Michelle Jackson called, We Need to Talk About Digital Blackface in Reaction GIFs. Basically, she says digital blackface or she i mean she didn't she didn't like create the term but it's a term that's used to describe various types of menstrual performance that became available in cyberspace so basically like fake accounts with stolen pics of black people and using african-american redaction english excessive use of reaction gifs i just said gifs of color and i say memes of color but like i do mean specific to black people uh, at least for this article and then like it uses a anon- anonymity <laughs> of <laughs> online identity to embody blackness. This is such a good article. And like now that I'm obsessed with Twitter, like I've definitely been thinking about this a lot. Some of the things that she talks about is how just like for GIFs like and reaction GIFs, like I don't know if, if like people don't use, well, even if you don't use Twitter, like you've seen like a screenshot of a post that has like a text caption and then like a gif or like an image underneath it right because that's, that's half of instagram's is. content is just right. screenshot exactly. and even tumblr too so yeah. um she, she says like reaction gifs you know you can show any kind of feeling but it seems like white and non-black people like prefer to use a gif with a black person when it comes to showing their most exaggerated emotions extreme joy annoyance anger drama gossip like those are magnets for images of black people and especially black femmes and she goes no digital behavior exists in a deracialized vacuum we all need to be cognizant of what we share how we share and to what extent sharing dramatizes pre-existing racial formulas inherited from real life the internet isn't a fantasy it's real life um i feel like i had something else oh yeah because the gifs are like they play on stereotypes they play on perceptions of black expression and 
I don't know. I feel like that's that's the summary of the article. But it's definitely something that I've been thinking about so much because I see, I mean, exactly like Lauren Jackson says, like, if anyone wants to show any kind of emotion in the sort of Twitter joke format as mm-hmm. a caption plus a GIF, it's like a, a person of color. And she was like listing some of the main let me open it up just so i can get some of the names um real houses of atlanta oprah winnie houston mariah carey tiffany pollard aka new york just like so many people you're like oh like i want to show this like emotion let me like google real houses of atlanta in the essay she was posting like um posts from megan mccain who's i know she's john mccain's daughter i don't know like what her job is besides that and like every single one of her posts was using like a real housewife from housewives of atlanta or like it had new york in her post and it's like it's just like why did you choose that like a dark-skinned black woman to convey that emotion like what was your thought process in doing that so for me, just seeing that from so many people, especially like in Stan Twitter, especially from people who like they're saying like something racist or like attacking a black person and then like throwing in a, a gif of yeah. a person of color. It just I've been seeing it since I've been on Twitter and it is makes me uneasy. So I was glad that this had been written to sort of put that idea into words, especially because it's not like really a big deal like. I could just be overthinking it like okay like they just really like Real Housewives and that's why they're using the GIF but so I was really interested in how she said no digital behavior exists in a deracialized vacuum like there is a thought process in choosing what kind of GIF you want to convey your emotion. I remember I talked about this on a past episode because I remember being like just use Gavin. (laughs) Oh yeah. (laughs) There was another article. I forget what the name of it was (laughs) but you're true. (laughs) <laughs> rit vine um literally but yeah no i totally agree um especially in the part where like because at this point like black femme gifts have been like if i'm scrolling on the tl they are 90 percent of the reactions that i'm seeing like it's like you're so right it's like part of the twitter joke format now which i think it's also like interesting to think about like It's not like you were saying it doesn't exist in a vacuum. So this isn't a reach to say like, hey, if you're non-black, like this is why this is digital blackface, because we know like the history of blackface in comedy and like people are trying to be like comedians, like they're trying to be funny and to like apply that reaction image or that reaction gif. Like I to me, when I see like a gif, like you're you're trying to emulate like what is happening in that gif like that's you're like this is me yeah and it's like a reaction image like it's slightly more passive but it's still like this is me a gif is like to me like the most intense so i'm like if you guys are using it's like you could just tweet and not use a reaction image and that like would still convey what you're trying to say um or you but like use gavin. The, yeah or use gavin or use dogs like I like to do. Yes. <laughs> Very subversive. <laughs> Literally just use an but, but like the fact that like, and you're right, like Stan Twitter, um, a lot of white gays and non-black gays like. Literally the most racist. Yeah. It's like really bad because I honestly, to be honest, think that this started with gay black Twitter because I just feel like the most, um, 
what's it called? Innovative people. Because I specifically remember when like gifts as like reactions started. You know, when like that vibe of like, oh, okay, like let's say someone's like, this is the song of the year. And they post like a gift that's like them, like someone like like arguing or something. Like I feel like that was a 2017 thing. Am I wrong? Well, I've only been on Twitter since 2015, so I don't know if you had seen that be- happening before. No, that. like, I've never seen that before. Like, I've been on Twitter yeah. since 2009, technically. This account since 2010. And, like, that is, like, brand new to me from what I've seen. And I, I've been following about the same people for the past, like, maybe, like, two years. So I don't know. Like, this seems like... To the extent that it is now, because like obviously non-black people appropriating AAVE, like that's been been happening. Um, Yeah, like people doing like the fake accounts and like with just a random black person they found on Twitter and just like their bio is ridiculously fake black like that's a whole nother conversation about digital blackface oh absolutely yeah and I think that that conversation is like not like more legitimate but I guess like people are more open to listening to that conversation just because like clearly that's fucked up to google black person and like pretend to be this thing online but for people to examine like why they always pick a gif of new york whenever they're like lol this is me or like the joke format is like when you do this or whatever and then there's like the image and it's like (laughs) yeah or i don't know i feel like stan twitter like whenever they're being like mean they're always using these gifs of color i'm like y'all are actual racist so maybe only use white gifs because it's kind of weird um and then yeah just like our culture associates black people with excessive behavior it's just like she was saying like people showing their most exaggerated emotions obviously there's a history of that i mean what did they saw even the term digital blackface is describing minstrel performance so it's like black people are still doing that work um she said which i also thought was interesting black people and black images are relied on to perform emotional labor online on behalf of non-black users which is like a slight reach but I think it is important to think about it's like obviously like gifs like it's a picture it's not like a real person who's being affected by this but the fact that for um, white people and non-black people of color like that's the first thing they pick out of the like little gif search it is a kind of emotional labor that not necessarily any like legitimate person is doing but just like black images in general are always being used to do this kind of work of performing whatever emotion you think is funny for your post right but I mean at the same time I think about like what happens when a person becomes a reaction image and what Mm -hmm. toll that takes on them you know I'm always thinking about like I know she was like talking about someone but I don't remember was it that ain't nobody got time for that lady I don't know if that was in this one. I don't know if it was in this one. Um, she doesn't specifically cite a particular person who became like a GIF or reaction image, but she talks about um, representation as surveillance, like this type of dissemination of visuals as surveillance. Oh, yeah. Um, which I think is... There was point. like a quote from someone 
It was a link to another thing though that I haven't read yet. So maybe that's what you're thinking about. Let me just do a control F. <laughs> Representation <laughs> is a sort of surveillance. Mm -hmm. But that she's quoting some interview with an artist. I didn't read the right. interview yet. No. Um, Martine Sims. Yeah, that was interesting to me. Representation as a sort of surveillance. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm still thinking about that. Yeah. Well, I think that relates to like everything that we talked about today, honestly. Like it's certainly true like in college for sure like when I'm thinking about like when you want like representation of whatever students those students become like that's the racial component of your college and they are right. then surveyed and it's literally the most visible because like their skin is brown <laughs> and a sea of yeah. white <laughs> <laughs> But definitely, and like, and I'm, like light, I'm also say. always thinking about the conversations we have with representation in television, which I was saying earlier, I love watching Ugly Betty and Scandal and like seeing actors that I actually want to see on screen. But we also have to think about like what that means for everyone, not just ourselves. Well, I think this is like one of those things mm -hmm. on the white priv checklist about how like white people don't have to ever be a representative for their race, whereas like people of color, that's very much a thing that you have to do. So any sort of representation, you know, it's not just you just like portraying yourself, but you are portraying your whole race. And especially I know that we talk a lot about like hyper visibility and representation and the way that like at least for black people like there's a lot more like black shows and movies and like these images are like a lot of black people and it's like oh like look you have all this representation like you should be happy like it's good like you can be a like part of society now like racism right. is over and it's like it is also like it can also be violent to have this level of representation clearly people are just like i don't know doing this like ugly thing of only using black people to display like their most outrageous and like stereotypical emotions so right. you know that's a level of representation but it has consequences yeah. um let me see if i have any more yeah it's weird it's so weird when she has all of megan mccain's like posts throughout yeah, I didn't this know that because she like, this. like who the fuck are you and i like went to one of the posts to like see if their replies were like why are you using like a black woman to this is like here's an example me watching the comey hearing for the last half hour it's a gif of kenya moore from real house of atlanta like sipping tea and saying give me the tea all right because all like, of it is literally like you, um not for that? you what like it's just like so removed from her existence i'm yeah this is literally it's not for you it just I don't. It's like, I don't know anything about her, but like, she's probably racist also. And a lot of these white and non-black people of color who would not think twice about using a gif of Kenya Moore are also racist and anti-black. So I don't know. Do they like not see the connection and the fact that they do not care about black people? And yet, like if they want to show, show a emotion of like sipping tea in a tweet, they would go straight to a post of a black person. Well, it's like everyone needs course. to re-examine this except for me i will continue to use gifs <laughs> of color but it's like hello there's gavin there's crying in spanish there's every single animal gif you could ever want <laughs> it's like so, just go to my twitter and copy all my media <laughs> literally just go to gwen's recent media every <laughs> single thing is like a dog all of my things are dogs crying or laughing but 
Yeah. It's just, this is like cultural appropriation. It's weird. Like, I really want to get in the mind of a person who does this. Like, clearly it's like a subconscious thing, but like she said, it doesn't exist in a vacuum. Like, you have a reason for thinking that a black person or a black image would be the best representation of whatever like dumb thought is in your head. It's like someone needs to interrogate Megan McCain on that. Okay, but I well. love that point. Sorry, just one last thing. I love the point you said about like people thinking it may be a reach, but like seeing for a fact that like someone impersonating a black person like with the whole account, like making a whole profile that is anti-black, but just using a reaction image right. like may not seem anti-black but like it's like of course people are going to get defensive because it's like right. all over twit everyone like on a racist i just identify with i love new york yeah it's like no you don't this is like when people are like i have a black woman inside of me like a sassy black woman it's like right. no you're just racist it's yeah you're so true oh you're so right. well okay <laughs> that's that on that yeah so this is 48 i think it's gonna be a good one yeah i like our combos i loved us i'm sure our fans missed us our well one fan we're like kind of consistent yeah exactly i'm sure that our one listener (laughs) missed us and can't to hear us up and we're doing it for you everyone else rate review subscribe on itunes you can listen on many different things you can go to our website sacralspodcast at gmail.com i mean sacralspodcast.com you can send us an email at sacralspodcast at gmail.com you should send us free stuff because we deserve that we deserve free stuff we deserve people like sending in questions i feel True. like we deserve people being like we can give you all the love bad this. advice like i want to hear some like rave reviews if you have a bad review keep it because i don't want to hear keep that it. it's none of our business if yeah. you don't like this podcast <laughs> it really isn't <laughs> it's like i don't want to be depressed so no. don't tell us anything but if you have a rave review like my love language is words of affirmation okay. so bye bye